0: Hey everyone, and welcome back to Pucks and Pages.
1: My name is Steven, that is my book-loving wife, Liberty.
0: We're a married couple with different interests, and we try to drag each other into our hobbies by discussing the latest news in both books and sports. I feel
1: like the intros have gotten a little more aggressive over the last couple weeks.
0: Look, sports are coming back, and I don't like it. I disapprove.
1: You do, but you don't, because hockey's coming back, but that means basketball comes back, which I know you don't like that much. And? Baseball's in playoffs, almost. And? And football football is here, here, which we really need to record this episode very quickly because the Bears game starts at noon.
0: Drag out this episode as long as possible (laughs) is what I'm hearing, so I don't have to watch the Bears play.
1: Well, I assume you're going to edit at least a little bit today, so you'll probably avoid some of the
0: game. I'd like to avoid all of the game, but I doubt that's going to happen. Yeah. For the most part this week, the news is short and sweet, but we do have a list of new releases coming out in October that either I'm excited about or the world at large is excited about. But I'm going to try to keep all of this pretty snappy because life has kicked me in the teeth this past week, and I expect more of that this next week.
1: We're still deciding whether we're going to share the teeth kicking or not, so, you know,
0: stay tuned. We'll find out roughly when you guys find out. Yeah. First up in the book news is that supply chain issues are impacting the production of books for the remaining releases in 2021. Your mind is blown?
1: I'm exploding my brain because I'm not shocked by this at all. Yeah, absolutely no
0: one is surprised.
1: Supply chain has been affecting me in my life literally for every single day of all of COVID. Right.
0: I think it's also especially difficult because a lot of people pushed back 2020 releases for this year and now you have even more releases than you normally do in the fall.
1: Yeah, so demand is like through the roof for resources and everything
0: else, right? And specific titles may be slowed down. Also, they could be out of stock. What a lot of people are suggesting in order to combat this is to first shop independent, but also to pre-order the books that you're anticipating for the rest of this year. Though That advice kind of also doesn't work because I've already had one of my pre-orders delayed from October 12th, when this book releases, to the middle of November. And like, I've had it delayed October 12th to October 26th, and then October 26th to the middle of November, so there's a chance I'm not going to see this book at all this year.
1: Congratulations, you're getting a taste of what I deal with every day.
0: (laughs) But it's worse because I like books. I don't care about appliances.
1: I've already got some delayed until March, so it's like super excited about that. It's way early in the year.
0: Right. Even though the publishing industry as a whole faced major issues for the first time due to the pandemic, quarantine, and subsequent work shortages, the last quarter of 2021 will be especially difficult and worse compared to this time last year when everything was still roughly new with COVID. I say roughly new because it was like six months, but... right. And this past week, Netflix has announced that it has acquired the rights to Roald Dahl's works. This gives them the option to adapt stories like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Matilda, Fantastic Mr. Fox, and countless other works. There are currently discussions happening about making a musical adaptation of Matilda, which I think could either be very good or very bad, depending on who's doing the writing and the songwriting.
1: Yeah, that one probably won't go well. Like, having
0: an opening song about how your whole family hates you because you like to read and somehow that's horrible. Yeah. Like, as a book reader, I don't want to hear a song about that. Yeah. There are also currently discussions about a new Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, but there are no adaptations currently in the works. I don't want a new Charlie and the Chocolate Factory Like, I feel like it's gotten enough. And he has plenty of other works you could adapt instead.
1: I was going to say that it's been very well overdone. And the last reiterations were awful.
0: The Johnny Depp one? Yeah, they were horrible. I hated that one. Gene Wilder, to me, is like the quintessential, like, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory Wonka. Oh, yeah. But... Also, I didn't necessarily love that one because, like, of the chocolate river boat scene really freaked me out as a kid.
1: It was supposed to. It It was was definitely written by somebody that was on an acid trip. Right.
0: But I just, I think we're done with the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory story, or at least I am, because I feel like I've had enough of it. But I could see other works of his getting adapted and that being pretty cool.
1: Well, on top of that, Fantastic Mr. Fox has been done before, so we'll see how they reiterate that in another form.
0: Yeah, but it seems like they have permission to do anything of his, so, I mean, he has a lot of things that he's done. Yeah. But in other adaptation news, the One of Us is Lying television series trailer dropped a few days ago, and it seems like, based on the trailer, the show is going to have some differences from the book One of Us is Lying is a YA mystery that seems like a mixture of Breakfast Club and your standard mystery or thriller novel. It tells the story of what happens when five teenagers walk into detention and only four walk out alive. The show is set to air on Peacock sometime in late 2021, and it seems to keep the teenage characters their ages and ethnicities instead of whitewashing them, which I guess was a fear that some people had as they found out about the adaptation. Also, the author's fifth novel, You'll Be the Death of Me, is being released on November 30th of this year. Pre-order that if you want it, just saying. This one depicts a mystery regarding three new characters, Ivy, Mateo, and Cal, who accidentally stumble straight onto a murder scene. I assume they have to figure out who done it before they all get blamed for it.
1: It seems like a series that I would enjoy. I'm just so sick and tired of streaming services getting their paws on things like this and right. restricting them. Like Peacock is owned by NBC. Why not air something like this on NBC?
0: Well, because a lot of people don't have cable anymore, and so they're trying to get into the streaming service game.
1: Well, I understand why they're doing it. Thank you for explaining that to me. But I
0: would woman explain that to you all day. Yeah. It is annoying, though.
1: It is. It's truly frustrating.
0: I'm not going to have 12 different streaming services. I might as well just have cable. At that, that point.
1: point. Yeah, truly. And they might as well all just be pay-per-view. Pay for your, your channels that you want exactly per channel. Right. Right.
0: For the second straight year, the National Book Awards ceremony is going to be held online. The National Book Foundation, which presents the awards each fall, announced that it has decided to make the November 17th event virtual because of the pandemic. I would have assumed that going into this fall, but apparently it came down to this past week on making that decision.
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot of considerations to that. Like, it's just like a sporting event in that sense. Like, it comes down to probably local regulations, their risk assessments, all sorts of things like that, so...
0: And last week, the foundation announced a long list of 10 books for the five competitive categories, which include fiction, nonfiction, young people's literature, poetry, and translated works. I will eventually go over the list once it gets shortened down, but I don't feel like discussing 50 books right now.
1: Yeah, that's that's a little steep.
0: It's a lot steep. For the new releases for October, there are some that I'm really looking forward to and some that I know are going to be pretty popular in people who read things that I don't read. But the first thing that's coming out is going to be Berserker Volume 1 by Keanu Reeves and Matt Kent. It comes out on October 5th. In this one, the man known only as Berserker is half mortal and half god, cursed and compelled to violence. But after wandering the world for centuries, Berserker may have finally found a refuge working for the U.S. government to fight battles too violent and too dangerous for anyone else. In exchange, Berserker will be granted the one thing he desires, the truth about his endless existence and how to end it all. Which, reading that reminded me a bit of Andromache the Scythian from The Old Guard, just because... She also is tired of living this endless existence of violence and gore.
1: Sorry, I got distracted because while you were talking about it, I was looking it up and adding it to my Goodreads because it looked like something that was going to be like right up my alley. So. We
0: discussed this before in the news section when they first announced it. Yeah. So
1: It's definitely something I'm looking forward to possibly reading. Some of the reviews were pretty nice about it as well. Somebody was like, who let Keanu Reeves write a comic?
0: Uh, They're publishers, probably. yeah, And one that I know a lot of people have been waiting for is Aristotle and Dante Dive into the Waters of the World. It comes out on October 12th, and this is a YA contemporary novel. It's the second book in the Aristotle and Dante series. This book is coming out nine years after the release of the first book, so I feel like the first was supposed to be a standalone, but they decided to write a second one. In the first book, two boys in a border town fell in love. Now they must discover what it means to stay in love and build a relationship in a world that seems to challenge their very existence. And this is like a beloved YA novel, that first one. So I know there are plenty of people who are going to be hyped to read the second one. I've never read the first one. These books are written by Benjamin Alir Sanes, I think is how you say their name. It wasn't in my notes for some reason. I had to look it up real fast.
1: uh, How is the last name
0: spelled? S-A-E-N-Z.
1: Sains or signs is the way I've heard it pronounced before that spelling. So
0: I've never seen that name before in my life. Well,
1: I played Little League with a kid that had that same last name. So I got lucky, I guess. I'm sure it's pronounced many different ways. Probably.
0: And probably none of them the way that I said it.
1: Or maybe even the way I said it for that matter.
0: But this next one is the one that I've pre-ordered and it's already been pushed back closer to Thanksgiving and it is Extraordinary by V.E. Schwab. It comes out on October 12th. It's a graphic novel set in the world of Vicious or the Villains series by V.E. Schwab. There are three new EOs who must grapple with their new abilities while others are hunting them down. I think I know who one of the others is, but I could be wrong. It's technically already coming out one issue at a time that you can buy on Kindle, but for graphic novels and comics, I want a physical copy of it because it's easier for me to understand what's happening because a lot of the art styles, it's just pretty unclear if you're wanting to get like into the actual like action of everything. That's why I bought it as a pre-order bind-up versus just trying to get it on Kindle. Right. But should be available if someone wants to go that route instead. The next release is Little Thieves by Margaret Owen. It comes out on October 19th. This is a YA fantasy following Vanya Schmidt, who is the adopted goddaughter of Death and Fortune, who is on the hook for one hell of a debt. She steals a life that Death and Fortune wanted for themselves and is cursed to an untimely end. It sounds really good. That was the cleanest I feel like I could have made the synopsis for this because the Goodreads synopsis is kind of all over the place. It's a mess. It really is. But <laughs> I've read from this author before. I read their The Merciful Crow series, I okay. think is what it's called. And it was really good, and I had a good time reading those books. So I would be tempted to check this out. I also like the idea of death and fortune being actual like people who can have a goddaughter. Right. Also coming out on October 19th is Lies My Memory Told Me by Sasha Wunsch. I read this on NetGalley and ended up rating it three stars. It's a YA science fiction kind of mystery novel featuring a new technology called Enhanced Memory where you can share someone else's memory and are able to experience anything and everything with zero risks. You can learn any skill instantly travel the world from home and safeguard your treasured secrets forever but when nova's parents created the tech she didn't expect it to start taking over their lives suddenly there are things nova can't stop noticing like the way her parents don't meet her eyes anymore the questions no one wants her to ask and the relentless feeling that there's something she's forgotten and like that sounds really spooky and creepy and like i love the whole premise. I just didn't like the way that it was done per se. It was good, not great when I read it. Another October 19th release, and this one I think will get a lot of people excited, is Shadow in the Ember by Jennifer L. Armantrout. It's a YA fantasy and book number one in the Flesh and Fire series. And this whole series is prequel to the Blood and Ash series that's been so popular in the book community for the past couple of years.
1: It's so popular that I've actually heard of it, so that, that says something. Right.
0: And this book follows Serafina Muriel, who was chosen before birth to uphold the desperate deal her ancestor struck to save his people. Sarah must leave behind her life and offer herself to the primal of death as his consort. However, her real destiny is the most closely guarded secret in all of Lysenia. She's not the well-protected maiden but an assassin with one mission, one target to make the primal of death fall in love and then end him.
1: That sounds great. Like not kind of great. Like that sounds like it'd be really interesting.
0: I don't think you would like this author though. Okay. She writes a lot of sex into her books. Okay. Yeah, probably not then. But it reminds me of what is that book? The Shadows Between Us, I think. Where a girl tries to get a king to fall in love with her so she can marry him and then kill him and keep the kingdom. And it reminds me of that. I'm hoping for people's sake it has less sex and more like brutal violence than the series that this is a prequel to. Because that is a complaint I've heard some people say. It's just too much sex, not enough plot. But I don't think it'll matter. I don't think either one of us are going to read that one. But I know it's really popular. This next one comes out on October twenty fifth and it is Chasing Fireflies by Chloe Fowler. It's a YA contemporary slash romance novel featuring a good girl bad boy trope. In this one, Rainey Collins has heard the phrase, everything happens for a reason for most of her life. But when it comes to her sister Maverick, who was born with a serious heart defect, the reason has always been a mystery. The actual romance in the story starts at the beginning of Rainey's senior year when she sits next to a bad boy named Liam Hayes. I do have this one through NetGalley so it's probably going to be one of the first things I read in October and I think it'll be good to break up sort of not only a lot of the heavy fantasy and science fiction and murdery stuff I plan on reading in October but also just something light and easy to read given the fact that life keeps kicking me in the teeth.
1: That's fair. You know, nothing like falling for the bad boy. It's a very common trope in uh, the YA world. So
0: I mean, it's a common theme for most young adult things in general, but especially for books. And then one I'm super excited for. It's the last book in a series coming out on October 26th is In the Ballroom with the Candlestick by Diana Peterfront. It's a YA mystery thriller novel, and it completes the Clue Mystery series. This makes book number three. After the events of the first two books, the student body at Blackbrook Academy are just trying to get by. But relationships evolve and strain when the dark secret at the heart of Blackbrook forces its way into their lives, and another suspicious death drives the school into chaos. That academy should just be called the Black Death Academy. how many people are dying.
1: I was gonna say like it's just turning people over it seems like every day.
0: Every couple of months it seems but I'm really enjoying it because it gives off heavy Clue vibes which is the whole point. So I love Clue. I love the Clue movie. I watch it every year.
1: I'm really sad at the book sale they didn't have the pieces for that 50th edition.
0: Yeah when we went to the library sale for Arlington. Yes. They had uh what was it
1: a 50th anniversary edition of Clue, and it was literally in perfect shape, shy it was of the fact.
0: gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous.
1: And it was just missing the pieces, which was heartbreaking, like, for the characters.
0: And, like, I would almost say I could get the little things from a different Clue game, but, like, this is a special edition version of Clue. I would have loved to have the little pieces for the characters.
1: Yeah, yeah. And they were trying to charge what you would have paid to buy it normally with all the pieces. So I was like,
0: ah. Another one coming out on October 26th is Holiday Ever After by Jill Shalvis. This is a collection of three of this author's Christmas romance novellas. So they fit into the other series of novellas and books in this author's adult romance collections. This I read through NetGalley, and it got an average of 2.83 stars from me. So I just rated each story and averaged out the star rating. Story one follows a girl fighting to get home for the holidays during a blizzard. Story two follows a combination bachelor-bachelorette party getting stranded at an inn during a blizzard. And story three follows two childhood best friends as a their separate families, and the shared traditions between them all fall apart. It was okay. I think if I was reading the other actual series and reading it in order, I probably would have liked it more. Right. But these are stories that are able to stand on their own and don't need that to make sense. It's just I would have enjoyed it more probably if I had done that. But it is perfect for Christmas. Anyone who wants to get in the Christmas mood should probably pick it up. One that I think a lot of people are going to be excited for is that The Galaxy and the Ground Within by Becky Chambers is coming out on October 28th. It's an adult science fiction novel and book number four in the Wayfarers series. In this one, the planet Gora is unremarkable except for its proximity to more popular worlds. When a freak technological failure halts all traffic to and from Gora, three strangers are thrown together. Grounded, with nothing to do but wait, the trio are compelled to confront where they've been, where they might go, and what they are to each other. This is a very well-loved science fiction series, so I know a lot of people are going to be excited to read this one.
1: Well, when you get into that, like, fourth realm of a book, you probably have a decent following, hopefully, by that point, so, like, that kind of makes sense.
0: When I say this is well-loved, like, most people enjoy this series, as far as my understanding of the book community goes. Gotcha. And the last new release that I will mention is also coming out on October 28th. It's Under the Whispering Door by TJ Clune. It's an adult fantasy novel about a ghost who refuses to cross over and the ferryman who falls in love with him.
1: That's interesting. Falling in love with ghosts. I guess it's a fantasy, so it makes sense. And but...
0: falling in love with the ferryman of the dead is also kind of creepy. Yeah but it's TJ Klune. I really enjoyed the House in the Cerulean Sea by him. I thought it was really cute and really well done. I don't think I rated it higher than a four star, I believe, and I feel like if I gave this one a shot, it would probably be roughly in the same vein. It's pretty whimsical, but I think this author's style might not be like a five star writing style for me if I were to read this one. Now, as for what I've been reading for the week... I did not do an oopsie, I did a me. And that's how it is now.
1: Well, in fairness, one of them we added as like me surprising you with something after the life thing that happened this week.
0: Two of them. The first two things I'm going to discuss are things that you bought me after (sighs) I got kicked in the teeth with some life stuff.
1: I didn't realize that you read them both. (laughs) I did. I spoke too soon.
0: I was too excited and I couldn't help myself. So here we are. The first thing that I finished last week was Your Guide to Not Getting Murdered in a Quaint English Village by Maureen Johnson. It's a new release from around two weeks ago, and this one I rated five stars, of course. It's an adult humor novel, I think is the best way to describe it. I don't know. Like, it's a fake guide to not getting murdered. Like, I don't know.
1: In an English village. Right.
0: But I'll read the synopsis or part of it from Goodreads. Thinking of a foray to a quaint English village. You'll think twice after reading this tongue-in-cheek illustrated guide to the countless murderous possibilities lurking behind these villages facades. It's a very cute and exactly my sense of humor, and it's something I really needed after the day that I had had. Like it was perfect. And I would say that this is like a love letter to readers of the mystery genre. So if you read mystery, like, even part of the time, You need to pick this up because it's hilarious and I love it. Right. I also really enjoyed the art style. Like everything's done in black and white with little splashes of red because sometimes it's blood. Sometimes it's just someone's scarf, but like it does give it like a certain vibe.
1: I think they did that on purpose, maybe just slightly. I think they
0: did it on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. And then I also read Lumberjanes Volume 2, Friendship to the Max by Noelle Stevenson. It's a 2015 release and the second in the Lumberjanes comic series. This one I rated four stars. I believe I also rated the first one four stars. They're really good. I think my problem is just like I need more background in my comics and like that builds up over time because that's how comics work. So I'm thinking maybe later in the series I would end up with a five star, but not yet. And I'll read part of the synopsis for this one from Goodreads as well. Joe, April, Mal, Molly, and Ripley are not your average campers, and Miss Quinzella Thisquin Thistle Crumpets Camp for Hardcore Lady Types is not your average summer camp. Between the river monsters, magic, and the art of friendship bracelets, this summer is only just beginning.
1: Just the name of the camp <laughs> is intense.
0: It is. I think you also said that the last time we talked about Lumberjanes on It's here.
1: It's a mouthful. And I, it has to be commented on every time that it happens. Right. It's insane.
0: It's a bit over the top.
1: To say the least, yeah.
0: And I really enjoyed it. I would love to do like a weekend where I just read 10 on Saturday and 10 on Sunday and then I'm all caught up. I feel like that would be just a really fun weekend. But then I have to spend a crap ton of money on comics all at once. Yeah. I also managed to finish The Republic of Thieves by Scott Lynch. It's a 2013 release and book number three in the Gentleman Bat sequel.
1: Were you trying to
0: bleep yourself out? I don't understand. Things happened.
1: I'm I'm really looking forward to this post-edit because I want to hear my comment about you trying to bleep yourself out and then actually bleeping yourself
0: out. It's going to be real fun. Yeah. But it's book number three in the series. Yeah. I rated this one four stars. This is the lowest I've rated a book in the series, but it's still a four star. So like, this is like a top tier series. It's one of my favorite series. Don't get it twisted. I love these books. This is an adult fantasy series. And this one follows quickly after the events of Red Seas Under Red Skies, which is book two. We follow Jean and Locke attempt to influence the elections in Carthane when they run into a person from their past.
1: That's never good.
0: Locke thinks it's good at first. I really enjoyed this. I just feel like we're seeing a lot of the same, like, how they structure certain cons. And, like, of course, because con artists only have so many tricks, I think there'd have to be something just completely different and random and new in order for me to rate the next book higher than I rated this one, I think, just because we are seeing a lot of the same stuff. This character from their past does do a couple things differently than Locke and Jean have before, so we do see a couple new tricks. Right. I just feel like if we continue the series without adding any new types of cons and we're just focused on the characters, it's going to make my awe of these people kind of go down a little, if that makes sense.
1: Absolutely makes sense. Like, it can't be repetitive and boring. Like, it's just, it gets old.
0: Like, it's new places and new people and new ways they interact with each other, but if all the cons kind of run the same way, like, all the little things that they do are different, are are the same and not different, it's hard for me to be as, like, shocked and awe when different cons work out certain ways. That's the only way I can describe it without, like, Getting into what they've done in the first three books. And the last thing I read, I'll talk about it briefly because we'll talk about it in a minute, is Hatchet by Gary Paulson. It's a 1987 release and book number one in Brian's Saga. This one I rated 2.5 stars, which I feel like is fair. I gave this book a chance, but this isn't my favorite genre. It's not my favorite type of book, and it's not my favorite type of writing. So, I feel like that's a very fair rating for me and my enjoyment of the book.
1: I don't know what two cents you expect to me to add to it. But well, you
0: said you would be sad if I didn't give it a good rating yeah. last week. So, like, little, I don't know how that makes you feel.
1: Makes me a little heartbroken, but it's okay. Like, as we'll discuss, it wasn't all that in, for me either. So oh, okay,
0: But this is like a middle grade or children's classic. I don't know exactly where it sits. It's kind of on the edge there. But in this one, it's a survival story of a 13-year-old boy when his plane goes down in the Canadian wilderness. And we'll get into the nitty-gritty later, because you also read that this week. Yeah. As for what I plan on reading next, I'm going to be finishing two chunky books this week, so there's no way I can read more than that. If I read more than that, I didn't do anything else but read and sleep for a week. Like, there's no way. The first book I'll finish is Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. I'm continuing my reread. It goes up. on and on, my friend. Yes. And also, I'll be reading Skyward by Brandon Sanderson, because that's your next book. Yes, it is. This one is a 2018 release, and it is a YA science fiction series. In a future world where humans have been defeated, crushed, and driven almost to extinction, the remnants of the human race are trapped on a planet that is constantly attacked by mysterious alien starfighters. Spencer longs to be a pilot defending their planet, and when she discovers the wreckage of an ancient ship, she realizes this dream might be possible, assuming that she can repair the ship, survive flight school, and persuade the strange machine to help her. It just sounds like a lot of fun. And it was when I read it the first time.
1: It sounds like it's like up my alley too. So it's not like it's really something that I'd be like, oh man, I have to read this.
0: I think you'll like it. And actually, when I was dividing up the pages for each week, I was so excited because what you have to read for this next week ends at the end of one of the parts, one of the sections. I was like, it just sounds like next week's going to be perfect. Right. But I think... I need to read something like a thousand pages this next week to finish both of those, so. I'm sorry? It's okay. I just don't think I'm going to read anything else. I don't think I'm going to have an oopsie or, you know, me kind of week.
1: Yeah, we'll see about that. I just don't know. Like, I know you well enough to know that there's a chance, even with that many pages, that you'll find something else to read.
0: So you're saying there's a chance?
1: Yes. Yes, there is definitely a chance.
0: I don't know about that, but we'll see. Okay. Okay.
1: But speaking on Hatchet, I don't know that I really want to talk that much about it because it wasn't really what I remembered as a kid, I feel like. What did you rate it? I was going to give it about a 2.8. So So why are
0: you mad at my rating?
1: Because I'm just mad that the rating was lower than I expected it to be. But I'll be completely honest. It's written for somebody younger. Definitely. And it's... It gets repetitive with wording and, like, sentence structure, and so, like, it makes sense that it's for somebody younger who doesn't grasp, like, grammar 110% or the way writing should be done 110%.
0: Or, you know, little children get distracted easily, so they need the same information over and over again in order to understand everything.
1: Right. Because, like, I don't remember that when I read it as a kid, but I was 10 years old, so, you know, there's that.
0: I will say going into this, I wasn't a big fan of one particular item or thing that happened. And it's before Brian goes off to visit his father and the Canadian oil fields, Canadian oil fields. Thank you. His mother gives him a hatchet and I just don't understand, like, there's no reason given For why she gives it to him, she just gives it to him.
1: I thought there was something along the lines of like, maybe your dad and you can learn how to use this or something along those lines. Nothing
0: like that was mentioned. She just said, you're leaving. So here's a hatchet. Yeah. And if you're not going to give me a reason that one of the most important tools in a whole novel is given to someone, expect a low rating. It just seems like a contrivance to sort of make sure that this situation would be survivable for a 13-year-old boy. Right. And it's like, I understand if you have to, like, put the hatchet in the kid's hand somehow as a writer, but make it believable, like, why he gets it. Yeah. Like, it could have been as simple as, like, I know you and your dad are going to go camping over the summer. Here's a hatchet. And I would have been like, cool, whatever. But, Argument made. <laughs> but nothing. Yeah. Absolutely nothing. So that was just annoying as someone who studied writing in college because, like, if you're going to give someone something, you have to have a reason for it. Right. But the book starts out with the fact that Brian's upset that his parents are getting divorced, and now a judge has said he has to spend his summers with his dad and the school year with his mother. And so she takes him to this tiny airport that is for, like, Small regional planes, yeah. Like... It's not a commercial airport, and it's just oil-filled parts are going on this flight as well as him, and so it's a tiny one-engine plane, and the pilot dies on the flight, which I didn't expect going into this novel. I didn't know anything, I guess, going into it.
1: I did, but I've read it.
0: And so he has to take control of the plane, and he just keeps going as long as he can, as far as he can, until the plane comes down. I didn't understand why the radio signal didn't work.
1: It's got only so much range on a transmitter, so he was probably just leaving the range of where it was.
0: But it's not like they were close to where they needed to be. When well, right, the because pilot when the died.
1: pilot had the heart attack, he forced the plane to swerve in a direction for God knows how far.
0: I guess I just don't understand why he couldn't have gotten on immediately and had someone tell him what to do or something. 13 years old. Except for the fact being that it would have been a very short book at that point. Yeah. But he goes down, he's very disoriented and has trouble doing anything for himself for a couple days. He gets bug bites and all this stuff. It seems like over time he figures out ways to take care of himself and how to like...
1: He's like adapting to the environment that's around him more or less. learns
0: how to survive in the wilderness by himself and... I remember turning to you and saying it makes no sense that a city-dwelling kid who hasn't even mentioned being in, like, Boy Scouts or something has all this weird second- or third-hand knowledge of how to do all these wilderness things. Because,
1: like, as a kid and a boy growing up, like, we watched a lot of those stupid shows on television, as it were, and we did watch a lot of action movies, so, like, there were, like, snippets of things... That if your brain retained it, you could maybe do something from it. But again, like, even in the book, he references, like, but it was a movie, so maybe it's not going to work out the way I think it is. A lot
0: of the time, he's mentioned, like, PBS-style shows talking about this or the other thing. How much PBS did you watch as a child? A lot. I watched none,
1: so. (laughs) There you go.
0: To me, it just doesn't seem possible that he could watch and retain all of these shows enough in order to figure it out as he went along. Yeah. And it seemed like every situation he found himself in, first with fishing, second with, like, edible food, and third being, like, the time a bear runs up on him. And he just knows how to deal with these because he's watched something. Seems unlikely.
1: Well, like, the bear situation, he didn't know what to do. He just kind of froze and then slowly backed away a little bit. Like, let the bear do the bear thing, because... Everybody knows that's what you're supposed to do with a bear. You're not supposed to run away from it, so...
0: Is that what everyone knows? I know that if I'm with another person, I can trip the other person and outrun them.
1: Yes, but he's not with another person.
0: (laughs) I'm just saying that's not what I knew. But also, I did enjoy a lot of these depictions of Canadian wilderness in the summer, and I thought that... That would be very beautiful if you filmed it for TV or movie or something. I don't know if this has been adapted at any point, but...
1: I feel like it wouldn't be a bad thing to adapt, but maybe write it a little bit differently. Right, Right,
0: right. But more than anything else, the main problem that I had with this story is that right after the plane went down, I was instantly thinking, hey, I remember the pilot telling you about this survival bag that was in the back, just in case something happened. And it's weird that he mentions it, and then something does happen, and you don't go for it. Like, literally, he's almost two months into being there before he realizes, I should go for that survival kit at the back of the plane.
1: Like, I would understand it, like, the first couple days, because he's, like, concussed and, like, beat up and...
0: Barely surviving. Right,
1: right. But after, like, a week of having food, like, I'm sorry, my brain would be like, survival bag, let's go figure out how we get this.
0: The way it wrapped up just kind of annoyed me, because he had a lot of struggles getting to the bag because the plane landed in a lake, and I totally get that. But then he finally gets it, unpacks all the supplies, turns on the transmitter, and within a day, someone comes and gets him, and then suddenly the story's over, and it's just like... It was I, a very abrupt.
1: It was a very abrupt ending.
0: Right, right. Yeah. And like, don't get me wrong. I already knew that I probably wasn't gonna love it, but I didn't know there would be all these things that seemed pretty convenient for yeah. a thirteen-year-old boy to survive in the wilderness for a couple months by himself.
1: But like learning how to make sparks by accident because you know the what is it the porcupine or the skunk or whatever that was in in the.
0: A porcupine was in the tent and he threw his axe at it like an idiot. Yeah. But, I mean, if he hadn't been an idiot, he probably wouldn't have found fire.
1: It's true. Because in that one instance, he didn't know how to make any of it.
0: Right. It's one of the few times that you actually see him struggle to figure out something, which I appreciated. But having watched Survivor, it was also kind of like, no, don't do that. Yeah. Because we watched Survivor in this house. However,
1: had he killed the porcupine... that. Like, you'd have to take all the quills out, but that's good meat. But he wouldn't have had a fire to cook.
0: Right. (laughs) So So you probably would have gotten sick anyway. Right. I can understand why a lot of boys have read this as children, and I understand why they might have enjoyed it. Being a 32-year-old woman, all I can see are, like, these little plot holes everywhere. Yeah. Because I don't like survival stories, like, wilderness things. So it's just not my jam anyway. I'm not the right age range, and I'm not the target demographic, which is young boys. It is a very beautiful edition, so at least there's that.
1: It is, so it's like a water-resistant, leather-bound edition, so like you can take it out and camp with it and read it, and it would be fine in the elements.
0: Please don't use its advice, because you need someone to actually teach you how to do things and not just read or watch about it.
1: Right. I did like that, like the raspberries and the gut cherries and those types of things, because like As somebody who's camped in forests, those things do exist. Like, growing up and spending my summers in Illinois, like, there are wild blackberry bushes that I could go pick blackberries from if I wanted them. And, like, we did it all the time as kids because they were there.
0: My problem with those scenes wasn't that, like, why is there food out here? It was more along the lines of, I remember what Katniss taught me in the Hunger Games series, and that's, you don't eat anything unless you know it's edible. Just assume everything's poisonous unless you specifically know you can eat this one thing.
1: Right. And so, like, the gut cherries totally make you sick for a reason. Um, Right. You shouldn't eat those, ever.
0: But he just said he probably overate and then ate some the next day. I'm like, no, you're a freaking idiot. Stop eating those. Right. You're just going to keep getting sick and, like, losing all the effort you just put out.
1: Right. I, I enjoyed it for what my memory of it was and... Like, it brought back childhood memories, which are always okay things in my mind, so.
0: You have the childhood nostalgia for the book.
1: Right, and on top of that, like, I was a very outdoorsy kid. I was that kid that drank from the hose and would go camping and build fires and do all those things. So, like, it it just stays with me, I guess, is the best way to say it. Like, I enjoyed it for that reason. Right, right. But I'm not reading this book next week, thank goodness, for your sake and mine. We're moving on to Skyward, so that should be a much better experience for the two of us.
0: I hope you enjoy Skyward because I really did.
1: So what I'm hearing is I have to give it a two and a half star.
0: See what happens. (laughs) See what happens if you You'll find a
1: hatchet and then throw it at me.
0: (laughs) There are options. Yes. Things that can happen. Yeah.
1: Either way, we'll catch you next Tuesday for a sports episode.
0: Sadly. Yes,
1: for your sake.
0: But in the meantime, make sure you're staying in contact with us on all of our social media, which will be linked in the show notes. And we'll see you then, guys. Bye. Bye.